This is Market Ready, a brand new podcast about how companies bring products to market. On this season, we go behind the scenes and give you an in-depth look at the world of product marketing and answer questions like, what is product marketing? What are the core skills you need to be a product marketer? How is product marketing different at large and small companies? And so much more. Welcome to Market Ready, a podcast about how companies bring products to market. I'm your host, Jeanette Jordan. And I'm your host, Misha Slay. And this week, we are going to talk about the day in a life of a product marketer. What do they do? What kind of things do we create? What are the core skills and who do they work with? So, Maisha, you want to kick it off? What do you do on a regular basis? Definitely. That is a good question. So as a product marketer, your day-to-day can vary. It, it, it's highly dependent on the project that you have and the product that you're working on. So there are times where you may spend the whole day putting out fires and finding a solution to something that has come up. Um, or other days, you could just be spent around uh, strategy building and determining what that strategy is going to do and executing on that um, strategy, getting buy-in from key stakeholders. So it definitely varies day-to-day. Um, But I will say, um, typically, a product marketer's job is to really think through the strategy of a particular product launch or just a product in general, making sure that you, you, again, getting that buy-in from key stakeholders, everyone from um, managers, product eng. um, It's a lot of what a product marketer does is executing on that said strategy after that is locked in place. And then even after um, that strategy is implemented on and you've had this big major launch moment, it's really looking at after that, the implementation of that and the success of it. So it's everything from talking to customers about how they're using it, how are they liking it, um, diving in with analysts about usage metrics and how we're going to improve that. And then also going back to just like your quarterly and yearly goals and making sure that you you're hitting those numbers that you have sat out to do, especially if you, if those numbers are tied to specific revenue or a, a specific amount of customers that should be onboarded to the product as well. You know, I think that's what I love about product marketing. Like no two days are the same. And unlike other jobs I had where you start to learn your job and you get used to it and you get bored, I've never had a product launch happen to the same way. You know, I've never had a lot of repetition in my day. And I think that's what I love. I often think about as a product marketer, what do I do? I think you're right. There's a bit of setting the strategy. I also think because I have spent most of my career at smaller companies, I often have to project manage that launch process and that strategy. So project management in addition to product marketing, which are distinctly different things, but I typically have to do both. Um, And then I feel like once I'm project managing, my part of the execution has a lot to do with the collateral, the sales enablement, telling that story. It might be updating the website. And then I think you're right, post-launch, it could be a whole element of reporting and really how did it go well. But I think it's a hard question to answer because I think you're really responding to the needs of your business and or product. It depends on what to me, uh, especially as a B2B product marketer, the sales team is trying to do. So depending on what they're trying to achieve depends on how I create materials to support them. So for example, if the goal is product adoption and we just want new people to use it, 
the tools that I might use, the campaigns that I might run, the programs I create are very different than if we're trying to upsell. Right. And we want people to spend more on the product and we're not trying to get net new people, right? So I think it's very dynamic and it's very dependent on the goals. But let's, you know, to make it concrete for people in the realm of collateral, what is some of the things that you create as a product marketer? Yeah. So some of the things that you'll hear a lot is just the go to market strategy. So that is like the epitome of what you create as a product marketer that include that's a document um, that can be fairly lengthy that talks about what is the strategy? What's the why behind it? Who's that target audience? What are those goals? What are the metrics? What is the product implementation plan? Um, the goals of the product, what are the features, overview. So it's this really robust brief that you are responsible for creating and then sharing and disseminating out to um, to all your stakeholders that you're going to work with on a particular launch. Because it's that document that rallies up everyone behind it as well. And we're going to dedicate a whole episode just yeah, to go-to-market all strategy. About so um, we will dive into that a little bit more. But that is a is a core piece piece of work that is going to be on there. Um, also, in product marketing roles, you are responsible for a messaging and positioning. Yeah. So talking through that as well. So how do you talk about this particular product or feature? Um, what is the value prop of it? What pain point is that solving for your customers? And so that's something that you're also responsible for creating of just like that messaging, and then how are you positioning yourself within the marketplace? So. That is also really core, um, especially with product marketers, really talking through what is your competitive advantage? What makes your product or this particular feature so unique that customers will want to adapt it versus all other competitors that are out there? So it's really having some key understandings of what is the magic behind your particular product. Um, And so I would say go to market, um, strategy doc your messaging um, in terms of how do you communicate that value prop to your customers, whether that's on the B2B side, B2C, positioning in terms of your competitive advantages um, within the industry, What where's that magic in the product or features that you're launching? Um, and then to your point, there's also, especially if you're a B2B marketer and you work um, very closely with your sales team, there are sales enablement docs that you create. Everything from like a one-pager sheet that they'll allows them to sell more into the product gives a very high level overview of, again, that value prop of the product, some key features that they may want. It may even include case studies um, that you gather from specific customers that you have as well. Um, So there's that type of documents um, that are available. Yeah. And I think to keep it simple, there's a couple of great things that you said. As far as messaging and positioning, I think about it as two distinct outputs. And one of them is sometimes I create an actual like messaging framework Mm -hmm. or pillars um, that I will give to other marketing teams or other people who create collateral in addition to myself on, on my behalf so that we're all along the same page. So I would say messaging pillars is what I think about as an internal doc but is a deliverable that I will give to people internally as a resource for how to talk about this product if they're creating their own collateral. And then I think to me, a key deliverable um, around messaging positioning is usually a pitch deck, right? Mm -hmm. And I enable the sales teams with a pitch deck, and that's one of the core deliverables I take. And just kind of a note on a pitch deck, usually where I've seen it is uh, product marketers do a very, not a very general, but specific to the product pitch deck. And then usually I have seen 
sales operations teams or sales support teams that when you're going to a specific client to pitch, they will start to tailor that pitch yes. to a particular client that usually doesn't come from product marketing. So that is a distinction that I want to say, like we have a pitch deck that can be almost like a toolkit and can be actually sliced and diced in various ways, depending on who the client is. Right. And I think to your point, sales enablement really depends on your size of organization. And again, I typically work in small companies. So usually, you know, project management and or sales enablement are really rolled into product marketing for me. And so I think that there are two things. Usually when I create a pitch deck, then there is a sales training around how to teach sales reps how to pitch that deck, right? And the training deck is a little different. It'll have the components of the pitch deck, but you might have other resources that are really kind of internal notes or scripts or FAQs to really help your sales reps know how to navigate the story and stay on message. That's perfect. Anything else around sales enablement? I think you did bring up a good you know, topic. And I think you hear them as one sheets. I think you hear them as slicks. I think you hear them as product one pagers. It's a lot of jargon. But if you think about it, essentially a flyer, uh, what somebody would call in any other industry, a flyer about your product, like a one page, maybe two page front and back that will tell you what it is, why you want to use it. And so those are some of the core collateral pieces after you get out of the strategy and understanding the landscape and positioning. I also think internally, usually a competitive intelligence doc is something that I've always created, especially around sales enablement or training is to help people understand that market. It's not a enough to just do the messaging and positioning, but usually there is some document that will talk about the competitors in the space and what are they offering and how salespeople can have a comparison. Usually you never want to release that to the market because it can get dicey if companies know how you're thinking about them or what you think you do better or not. But internally, usually you arm the sales rep with actually for this product who else is in the space and how do what I've always heard called offensive or defensive statements. Right. You know, if you're trying to sell your product, an offensive statement would be how do you talk about it's great without necessarily mentioning competitors versus a defensive statement, if you ever hear that term, is somebody already asked about your competitors and how do you start to navigate talking around that. Um in various companies I've worked for, we've kind of taken different leads on this. So it's been everything from marketing, actually taking the lead on doing competitive research, right? Yeah. And knowing, um, and this is a document that's typically shared only internally um, about like, how do we stack up against all of our competitors, like our full, full entire feature set. And we just do a deep dive with, you know, a particular researcher who goes, does a lot of that for us and can package it up. Um, and then we, you know, look through that and then we share that information and Internally, so that way we can equip, equip our sales teams with that information. Um, so it works differently at different companies. However, that is a core piece that a product marketer is responsible for about learning and knowing that landscape of who else are the players in there. And oftentimes that means that you are going to use your competitors' products as well, right? Like you're going to log in as like a user, go through their whole entire user experience, look at their flow. Um, another thing that we've done is done competitor breakdown. So as we have gone through that flow together, either as an individual or as a group, 
group looked through that and really examined examined our competitors and said, like, what did they do really well? Yeah. Um, and then what are some areas of improvement? Where do like here's where we get to play in this market versus yeah. where they are. Um, and so having something that can really that you can use um, not only for an internal marketing team, but also use to share with your sales teams as they're having those conversations because it's going to come up. Like yeah. the customers are going to ask, like, well, how are you different? How are you different? How does this compare to X competitor? Yeah. X competitor has this. What do you have that's similar? Or do you have something that's the same? We know these conversations are going on. So the more that you're able to equip your sales team, they'll be better prepared to answer those questions. And that starts with you becoming a better researcher of um, where you guys, where your particular product, where your particular company just fits within that space and having a good story around it. Yeah. And it, it reminds me, you know, I think the whole purpose of this podcast is education. And so exactly. I think a term that often comes up is battle cards when we talk about um, the competitive landscape and arming your sales team. So that's a term that you should be aware of. And I I don't know why I feel the need to kind of break down Jarvie and like the vocabulary for this week. But I think another one is white space. We always talk about that when you're talking about your differentiators. A lot of people refer to it as white space. Where's their white space? And an opportunity white space is really meaning where's there an opportunity for you to be unique or differentiate in the market, you to do something other people aren't doing. So I think those are some key functions about that. And we talked a little bit about kind of what is it and how did you become a product marketer? So what are some of the core skills that you actually need to be a product marketer? I would say adaptability. So full disclosure, I just started at my new company. I just started at LinkedIn about three months ago. Um, and in those three months, my role and my projects have changed <laughs> dramatically. Like <laughs> when I first came in, I was managing one particular project. Now I'm managing three different ones. Wow. Um, and so the level of adaptability was very quick, just within a matter of three months. Um, and if you think about it, a lot of companies, especially a tech-oriented company, operates in these quarters. Yeah. Um, so you have these three-month sprints that you are supposed to accomplish these really great, audacious, big goals um, to help um, it with, uh, to help accomplish like company objectives and other yearly goals. And that's that's essentially what you are um, evaluated upon as well as like your quarterly goals, right? Um, so in these past three months, um, my projects have dramatically changed. And I think that as a product marketer, and especially if you work in the tech space, Every company is going to say we move very fastly. You know, we we have to be quick to innovate. Um, so, as a product marketer, you have to be very adept to change and be able to switch your your projects, your mindset very quickly to focus on something new. So, I think that goes back to like being a quick learner, but also mm-hmm. being very adept to change. Um, and also, I would say being solution oriented because you are going to face problems or projects or be put on a project where there is no like to your point. There's there's no game plan. Like you have, you're essentially creating that game plan of how this particular product is going to play in this white space in the industry. And you're not going to have the right answers. You're not going to, you can definitely go to other marketers and talk to you like, how did you approach this? But oftentimes you may be, this is the first time that anybody is doing this. So you have to really be solution oriented and work through those tough problems as well. Yeah. And I would add to that, I would say influence and sometimes yes. influence without a 
authority is the biggest one too. Which I think is a really big one um, because sometimes you may not have the resources or you're working with, you know, tech teams that are shared resources across multiple projects or products. Um, You know, you might be a small piece of other people's goals or mix. So I think influence, especially over people that you don't, you know, necessarily guide their day-to-day task or work is a big core skill in matters and getting stuff done. And, you know, it sounds simple, but I would even say organization. Like I'm actually working on a brand project right now. And I felt like, Everybody was a little confused with how it should go and all of that. And even though I'm not doing product launch right now, I started to realize a launch is a launch. And when we were having all trouble getting on the same page, I pulled out my go-to-market process that I use for product launches, right? And I did the same thing. And I was able to identify holes in our launch to say like, hey, if we're thinking about a launch plan, Regardless of whether this is a product or not, we should still know like who our audience is and what our message is. Um, and it was a really quick and simple way to identify gaps. So I also would say organization and kind of keeping people on track is a really good core skill. Do you have anything else to add? Yeah, um, I agree with that because you're going to be working with so many cross-functional partners that are going to ask you what's the plan, what's going on. So being organized, being able to direct people to um, the plan on the page and other key materials is really important. Um, I would also say you have to be customer oriented. Yeah. So um, in this particular type of role, um, as a product marketer, you are always are going to, you're going to be the voice of the customer oftentimes. Um, Sometimes when product doesn't understand, like, why do we need to change uh, the name of this? Like, I don't understand. Or why do we need to change this particular um, part of the feature? Why do we need to, you know, state this? It's like, our customers, like you get it, I get it. You built the product. We're in this every day. But as a customer, they may not understand what, um, you know, I'm just going to throw this out there, like what a technical click on the technical, you know, bar on the top left side um, and the click down, you know, like yeah. it, we can get very much into our own heads. Um, sometimes we make it too technical instead of really breaking it down for our customers and making it very easy. So I say as a product marketer, you need to always continue to carry the lens of your customer and be very customer oriented in there um, and have that as a key core skill. And then I would say the last part is just being um, data oriented. Yeah. So really making sure that you understand the data. Um because again, sometimes your goals are going to just be awareness, right? Yeah. Sometimes you you do a particular feature um, only for just awareness. Um, but there's off other times where you're going to really need to dive in deep in terms of, okay, well, why are customers not adapting a particular feature? Or why are we seeing... Um, uh, now, why why are we facing a decline? Year, you know, two percent, three percent, five percent decline year over year. Like, what is causing this? Um, so you really have to be able to dive in there and and check fact those numbers as you're working with analysts and your data science team and how you're going to solve that problem as well. Yeah, and I would also say storytelling, right? And I was thinking yes. about this in two ways. Like one. 
it may sound obvious, like product marketer, you should have some marketing skills, right? I think people remember things in a story. So being able to synthesize information and tell it in a story-like format. But then as you started talking about data, I was also thinking that data tells stories. And I'll give a real-life example from today. I was, you know, sharing out on some of my projects and just giving a bunch of non-technical people a lot of data Mm -hmm. about, like, this campaign, run this. And I was trying to draw examples, like, you know, you really have to do some storytelling and put data in context, right? And so some of our campaigns had a 2% engagement rate. And so what I was telling them is like, it's hard to know if that's actually good or bad. And I'm realizing I'm talking to a non-technical audience. But if you look at our historical campaigns, they had less than 1% engagement rate. So over two is really good because we're seeing a lift, right? But if we're used to having a 10% engagement rate, then two might not be good. So I think also as you're dealing with data, realizing that you need to also tell a story and put that in context for people and make it simple to understand. And I really do think we, we should definitely talk more about this as we get into the all about GTM episode is setting those KPIs up front, right? Because your tactic should go with your goals, right? driving awareness is a little bit different than driving usage, which is still different from maximizing revenue. Um, And those can all be different goals. So really getting clear alignment up front in your planning about what are the KPIs and what are we trying to do and what are we trying to maximize for, I think is really important. That is correct. Because you're the your KPIs will determine the tactics that you're going to use and the strategy that you're going to do to actually execute on that. It's not only important to maximize your performance, it's also important to maximize your productivity. On this episode, we are going to spotlight the time tracking and productivity tool, Toggle. I don't know about you, but I've only recently heard about and started using Toggle. As I was doing some freelance work a couple months ago, it was recommended to me by a friend and I truly fell in love. While it's a simple time tracking tool, I found it seamless to integrate into my workflow. Their Chrome extension enabled me to track my billable hours across multiple projects with just one click of a button. You can also track your time in real time or go back and update your time as needed. Whether you're using the mobile app, the desktop app, or the Chrome extension, all of your data syncs across all channels. Also, if you're using an existing project management tool, don't worry. Toggle integrates with over 100 products and platforms, including Asana, Basecamp, GitHub, Slack, Rike, and so many more. The reporting feature is easy to use. Simply select your date range and you can track every task for every team member and just how long it took to complete. The best part is, so many features are available for free. They genuinely have a free plan, not just a free trial, which is ideal for small businesses or small teams. I am so excited for you to try Toggle. Let us know what you think. Connect with us and share your review at Market Ready Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn. So switching gears, why don't we talk about who do you work with on a regular basis? It's a hodgepodge of people. (laughs) (laughs) It's the 
a short answer. Um, I think in this role, you're going to work with, um, as we've talked about, you're going to work with sales. You're going to work with your product team. Um, you're going to also work with your engineering team. So I do want to make that distinction as well. So Product um, versus engineering. Product versus They're engineering. They're different. Yes, they are. <laughs> They, they work together, but they are different. Um, and do you work with your engineering team? I do, actually. Yes. Um, See, that is remarkable. Yeah. I work in, I have worked for a lot of organizations where you don't actually talk directly to engineering. Yes. You deal with product, and product managers are the gatekeepers, and they help that prioritization, and you do not bother engineers. Yeah. Um, so I think it does depend on the organization. It's good, I think, when you can interface with engineers, but it doesn't always happen. Sometimes you do have to deal directly with product, and product does not like you going around them. Yes, <laughs> that is true. I think I think it's important to build relationships with both. Um, yes. But yes, typically your product manager is the gatekeeper to your engineering team. Um, but there are definitely situations where you just don't have that luxury and you have to get yeah. to know who those engineers are um, and be able to talk with them. Um, and I think that has helped also give me more insight into like, what is my engineering team working on? And that way they can also reach out to me if they have questions or even ideas about like what we can do from a marketing standpoint um, as they are also looking at data and issues that are coming out with customers as well. Um, So I do want to make that distinction. Um, I would say your analyst or a data scientist, Mm -hmm. um, they can be the same or sometimes different. It just depends on your organization. And there's also other marketing teams that you're going to be working with. So that includes everybody from like your brand marketing team. It could be your email marketing team as well. It can be your PR team. So there are still a number of um, various marketing functions that you're still um, still going to have to work with. Your web team, so whoever manages your web content when you need to actually update new, new pages. There's legal team. And yeah, and I don't know about you, but yeah. particularly being somebody who's worked with data products yes. for a long time, legal is a huge counterpart, especially now that we're moving into a day and age where we're having a lot more policy and regulations. Yes. We're like having GDPR, GDPR, we're having CCPA here in California, and there are potentially 12 other states that are going to have their own privacy regulation. So, you know, I think legal in that partnership is I'm seeing over the years in my career stepping up where I used to have to deal with legal one or two times during a launch, mm-hmm. whereas like now I'm in weekly uh, conversations and our legal team are joining a lot of our ongoing conversations about bringing products to market and right. we're building that privacy into our products. Um, so I do think that they're stepping up and I'm interfacing with legal these days as much as I might sales and product management. Yes. Yeah. I re- um, at my previous company, we actually had an entire legal team only for marketing. Oh, and wow. so um, before, especially if it was like a big major customer launch, it always had to go through legal review before we could even send that out. And they had to do the double checks on everything, making sure we had all of the legal lines there before. Um, and so I completely agree with that. Seeing a change where legal is taking more of a step into marketing materials that go out and, be, and are double checking to make sure everything, even claims that we do. Like yeah. if you say, hey, you know, our customers experienced a 30% um, (laughs) increase in satisfaction. Like, 
legal team is there to make sure like, well, where's that data? I need to see right. who said that. How did you get to this? So even claims like that are um, under more scrutiny now. You can't yeah. just say like, oh, customers are two times better by using our products. Like where we can, you know, technically make that statement with, you know, maybe a couple of customer antidotes. Now it's like, no, we need to see all of that before we actually slap this on our marketing material and send that out on the website, on packaging or anything yeah. else. It was um, interesting. I was talking to my legal team this week about a comment that we were reading that where somebody said, oh, don't worry, your data is safe, right? And I was like, oh, I've been working with legal too long, right? Yeah. Like it's a nice comforting statement. But in this day and age where we're seeing major companies having data breaches yeah. or data leaks, right? I was like, ah, can you say your data you is safe? Yeah. That. yeah. So it's not a guarantee. Like that, right. And now you can be sued for things like you that. Can. So, you know, I said like, hey, we're doing the right things. We're taking precautions. You know, we put the customer first. Privacy is important. Is less of a claim than it is safe because you can't necessarily control being hacked. And so it is a little bit of a different day in, in landscape. But, you know, one of the things I do appreciate here is I think we have a great business minded legal team. Mm -hmm. I, I'm also starting to see a lot more people cross over from product management into kind of legal and privacy roles and that, that kind of being a hybrid yes. about people thinking about how you bring products to market together. Sure. Um, I always think it's smart, especially in a B2B organization, to be really closely aligned with sales. Yes. And sometimes I don't think product marketers always think that way, but I do think sales is driving revenue for the business. And especially in a B2B business, marketing is often not a revenue center like B2C. They're a cost center, right? We spend money, but we're not the people making money. And at the end of the day, unless you work for a nonprofit, the overall organization's goal is to make money. You know, it's not sure. a secret and I don't think that's a bad thing. So I think alignment with sales really needs to be thought about carefully, understanding their revenue goals, understanding where they're having pain points and getting hung up and really supporting that sales enablement to get them over the hump. I think that's a really important thing in key partnership because everybody wins when you make your revenue number. Exactly. Um, and so I think sometimes there is a tension between marketing and sales where it's seen as being cooler to align with product than it is sales. But I feel like for me, you know, in my career, I've seen a lot of success kind of partnering with legal and partnering with sales. Like they are your friends and we are in the same boat. So aligning your goals kind of to them, I think is, is really helpful. And I've had a lot of success not trying to compete with sales for being the bigger person or right. the bigger budget or owning the strategy, but just saying like, I am really here to support you. And I find in B2B marketing, it's really controversial for me to step up and say like, hey, I think marketing is a support function. Everybody's like, it's strategic. It is. Mm -hmm. But we are also in support of sales. And I think that's really important to put us all in the same kind of camp, align our KPIs so that we're working together instead of kind of fighting for who's doing more, who's doing bigger or better things. That's true. And then you can also really be able to track those outcomes in terms yeah. of how this has flowed. Like, you know, I know there's the term in like B2B is also like the marketing qualified leads. Yeah. So like how you build out that pipeline for sales and you can really be able to track all the way through from the top of the funnel to the bottom of when they actually converted. 
of what that meant and how marketing and sales work together. So how you're affecting the bottom line and earning earning there. And they sit with their customers all day and every day. And I think especially for me, who spent the majority of my career at smaller organizations, there's no way that I am going to be able to do product marketing, to do project management, to do sales enablement, and spend the kind of time in the market that I want to or that I should. So you have a sales team that is spending every day and is internalizing. That's their job to know the customer. And so if you can build those relationships, they're a great way where they can give you the voice of the customer and help shorthand for that. It's also a great way for case studies. Like marketers always need case studies. And we should have mentioned that as a real core thing that you create is case studies is a great way to sell. And your sales reps, your account managers are often the gatekeeper to those case studies. So building strong relationships, they can help advocate for you. They can help sell that into the process when somebody's using your product for the first time. They can help you identify those brand champions. They can help you identify those strategic accounts that are going to be willing to test and learn and grow with you. Um, so I think it is a real key partnership. And I think it is something that shouldn't be viewed as somehow weakening your positioning as a marketer to really partner closely with sales. But I think, again, everybody wins when sales hits their numbers. Everybody's happy. So I definitely think um, people should be a little bit more nicer and accommodating to sales reps. And for some reason, there is a kind of a general tension. Yes. Um, And then I'll just touch on a couple more people that you work with. Um, So obviously, um, Sales is a big one. Product is a big one. Um, another one that I want to mention is just our customer success team. Oh, customer yeah, that's support. a good one. Um, customer success or customer support. These are also people who are typically chatting with customers every single day and know what issues are coming up and just a really good thought partner as you're building out strategy and really thinking about what does the customer want to see? What what are their biggest pain points? What are their gripes about the product that we can fix? Yeah. Um, and so they are another partner that as a product marketer, you're going to work with day in and day out and be able to get those insights from there as well. And then also making sure that as you're rolling out new initiatives or let's say you're running a promotion for customers, these are going to be the people that you need to inform along the way as well. So that way, if customers call in and say, hey, I got an email about 20% off. What does this mean? How can I use it? You have their teams prepared for that as well. So um, you mentioned, Jeanette, briefly about like how marketing is like in support of sales. I think as a product marketer, you are in support of many different customers. So not only do you have your external um, clients, which are the customers, whether they're B2B or B2C, but you have a bunch of internal um, clients that you have to deal with. And that is um, you're in support of sales, you're in support of product, you're in support of um, your customer support team. And so these are people that you have to make sure are prepared along the way and have insight into um, that strategy and what's the plan to move things forward as well. And to make sure that you're going to That is a really good call out. And I'm going to be really human and raise my hand and say, like, I had a situation a month or so ago where we were sending out compliance emails and there were some strategic accounts on there. And like normally, and the team was so forgiving, but because I built a good relationship with sales, we sent a bunch of emails. And like the day it was launching, I was like, hey, guys, I totally forgot to give you a heads up. This email is going out today. And so it went out and our strategic account team like flipped out. It's like they handle our biggest customers. There's usually 40 or so people in one company on the list, which 
probably didn't need to get 40 emails right. about this thing. And they were in the midst of a renewal. And it just like they oh. totally just panicked and lost it on them. And so it is a really good call out to like loop them in, even though it seems silly. Um and I'm like, oh, you don't think you care about these little compliance issues, but they're like, while we're negotiating this big deal, all of a sudden we've just upset these people by getting like 45 emails to one company. So it is a really good process. So now we've worked on ways where, you know, we can identify different people within the account that might be notified for different reasons or, you know, make sure that we're just automatically creating a seed list of account managers. So even if I forget, they at least at a minimum get the email at the same time and they're never caught off guard. So I think that is a really great point. I also think to your point about customer success is often there are the people who know the pain points, but they're often not the people who connect with product in engineering very often. So really product marketing becomes the link and closing that loop between some of the actual customer pain points, whereas product marketing needs to get that information because we are often interfacing with the technical teams, whereas customer success doesn't always, may rarely have that opportunity. So I think that is a really good call out. I, I know we talked about analysts and data scientists as well, but one caveat that I wanted to add there is, as you're thinking about your metrics, I think those are really good partners too to make sure you want to measure your performance. You want to measure success. Sometimes systems, processes aren't set up for you to collect data in that way. So I think thinking about your KPIs and that planning piece, which again, we'll talk in much more detail next time, is really key. And like working with your data people up front versus saying like, it would be great to have this slice of data. It would be great to show a lift. It would be great to segment these customers. But if you haven't done the work and set up the data collection in the way to tell that story, it's sometimes really hard to parse it on the back end. And you can't always figure it out. You can't always find out what's working. So actually bringing analysts and data science to the forefront into that planning process and really building that cross-functional team. I think we're hearing that a lot. Who is the key uh, point of contact in all of my GTM plans that kind of close with like, who is the key point of contact in product? Who is the key point of contact in sales? Who's the key point of contact in legal or customer support? And just really identifying every department that needs to touch this launch should have a go-to de facto person for this launch. They should. Um, and we've listed at least like <laughs> five or six. I know it may sound daunting. <laughs> um, so I do, I do want to touch on that. That like we've already talked about six different type of functions that you're going to have to interact with in order to make a particular product launch work, or just like interacting on a day to day basis as even after it launches. So I want to really hone in on how like cross functional a product yes. marketing manager role is, and how important it is to build those relationships. Like Jeanette, you touched on, you know, you had built a strong relationship with your sales team, and so you sent out that email and we're like, oh, sorry. <laughs> you know, they were a little bit forgiving because you had that relationship with them. So it is really important, I guess, going back to the the core skills we talked about earlier is making sure you know how to build those core relationships. Um, and that includes apologizing when yeah. mistakes are made. That includes making sure that you're building up goodwill, making sure that you are spending time getting to know people because these are the people you're going to work with. Um 
even though your day may vary, but day in and day out interact with um, quite often. And, you know, a great relationship analogy I've always heard is like a bank account, right? And you got to make deposits before you make withdrawals, right? And so I think it's something that I've always learned that's really important is especially when you have launch and there's timing. For me, I'm always crunching my legal team, not because I want to, but they're usually like the last stop before you get something done. And so if anything else is running late, it just shortens their time window, right? So I'm always putting them in a, a, a little bit of a pinch in a situation. And so the tables are turned. Legal is like writing new policies right, right. now and writing new regulations for us, um, updating terms of service. And so they have some comms questions. And, you know, my my legal person reached out to me and like, two o'clock on a Friday. And she's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I need you to do this like now and today. And I'm like, of course, right? Because I'm like, I have been on the other side of this a situation a number of times where I put you in a situation. So again, kind of to build that relationship, I was like, yes, I will clear what I need to do and be really responsive to you because I know that this is a key relationship that I need to make good. So I think thinking about that, I think you also hit on a really good point. You know, when we surveyed kind of people who might be interested in the podcast, we asked a question, you know, if you're a manager, what are the things that you wish new hires would know? And some of the insights that came back is like, this role is very ambiguous. And I think you can even hear that in us attempting to describe what is the day like and who do you work with? There's no clear answer, but it also requires a lot of cross-functional collaboration and communication. It's imperative uh, to discuss responsibilities, dependencies, and expectations up front. I thought that was a really great description uh, that somebody gave of the role. And then another person, which we've already talked about, is talking about cross-functional leadership and influence without authority. Exactly. Um, So those are, you know, hearing from hiring managers, hearing from us who are experienced product marketers, I think really key to know. It's like you don't know what to expect and hopefully – that's the thing that energizes you and excites you. Um, you know, I think if you want to do the same thing every day and you want road tasks, this is probably not the right yeah. function or fit uh, for you. Anything you else want to add before we get into questions? All right. Have, let's hop into the questions. Let's do it. So one of the questions we got is, in my past role, I've worked on messaging, lead generation, and marketing campaigns. I get varying answers on how it relates to product marketing. So what are your thoughts about how that relates to product marketing? Yes. So I would say these are core initiatives that a product marketer could potentially take on. Like, again, as we talked about and as um, the definition defined, a product marketing role can be very ambiguous. So, um I would say messaging is a core part of our product marketing. Yeah. I think messaging is great experience. Um, It is, again, like you have to translate all the technical stuff that you know about it, that you've worked with your product and engineering teams on, that you have tested with. Now you have to break down what does a admin of a of like the settings feature functionality allow somebody to do like you have the technical terms you understand it now you have to basically take that and break it down about why this is important to your customer why they would find value um, you may even do some training around how they find this and um, how to do it in three simple steps so messaging is 
core to a product marketer um, because you're taking something very complicated that can be complicated, very technical, and putting it in customer terms and making it as easy as possible um, and as simple and clear as possible. So that is a a key part of product marketing. Um, I would say lead generation is, I would say that's kind of core to somebody who's in B2B. And that kind of comes out in a bunch of different ways. Again, like that can come out from really focusing on that very top of the funnel um, activities that you may do. Um, So that can be anything from creating um, white papers or case studies that um, and having kind of like a toll gate where you collect a name and an email. um, And in a B2B space, again, we would call that a marketing qualified lead. So getting enough marketing qualified leads that will funnel down to your sales team for them to do the outreach and go from there. And that's kind of like what lead generation is, especially if you are in a traditional B2B um, product marketing type of role. Um, so again, that can vary um, depending on what type of role you offer on B2B or B2C. And then in terms of marketing campaigns, um, that has to do with your particular goals. Again, like as a product marketer, a lot of it is focused on product launches. But after the product launch is done and over and the product's out there and you, you are the one marketer um, dedicated to this particular product, you need to continue to think about what campaigns you're going to run in order to build awareness or campaigns that you're going to run to have more usage, more user adoption. Um, so those campaigns, I see marketing campaigns as like those sustainability projects that you need to run along the way, depending on like what problem or what goal you're trying to solve to sustain the product year after year. Yeah. And I would say, you know, I'm going to read into the question a little bit. It sounds like somebody who may be looking for a transition. And I agree with you. I think messaging we've talked about as a core skill. Um, So I won't add any more to that. But I would say for lead generation and marketing and campaigns, I think it's actually a good skill set to have coming into product marketing. What I think you would need to do is like level that up and thinking about the strategy. So it's less about the actual building of the audience, mm-hmm. right? And the mechanics of, you know, hitting those goals and driving that lift, but much more understanding the mechanics of lead generation or marketing campaigns, which is like you have a target audience, right? You are putting out some messaging to attract that target audience. That strategy piece and kind of leveling up those skills are going to be really helpful to product marketing. And then I think it does depend B2B and B2C because when I was you know, a B2C product marketer, I own more of the lead generation and demand gen functions because marketing can talk directly to the customer. It's a little bit different. You don't necessarily have a front end sales team when you're thinking B2C. So if you're making a transition, given the fact that you have done lead generation or demand gen, maybe pivoting from product market into product marketing on a B2C side could be a really good step. But I would say the strategy behind those marketing campaigns are really useful to product marketing. And then where I would spend time is thinking about building your skills in market research, you know, thinking about, you know, understanding the product and, you know, sitting with some of the customer success folks or people, sales engineers, people who troubleshoot the product a lot to start learning the ins and outs to build those core skills that you need that you may not have out of the gate, kind of coming from much more of a messaging demand gen side of things. So our next question is, you know, and I guess that's a good segue, interested in learning 
to navigate the transition from market research in an ad measurement role into product marketing. And so again, I think it's very similar to what I would say about the first question, market research is a real core skill. It is. Um, So I think that that is great. And I would say probably a good transition is thinking about taking on more of the sales enablement, leveraging that market research into doing the sales enablement, into doing the battle cards and starting to build your skill set that way. Uh, And then, you know, thinking about learning the product and kind of expanding your scope and your role. But I would say if you're coming from a market research background, sales enablement might be a really good step on the way to product marketing um, versus the first question, which it sounds like you're coming from more of a traditional marketing, you know, and you probably need to build your skill sets in market research and product in those areas. But if you look at the core skills that we laid out, I would say, you know, think about the ones you have and think about the gaps that you have and strategically start filling your gaps either through, you know, volunteer projects through learning through you know taking courses you know hopefully our podcast will be a resource as well but thinking about ways that you can strategically fill your gaps while leaning on your strengths to kind of get your foot in the door I agree identify those gaps and just knowing that there are some gaps that are more on the soft skills so like the ability to influence the ability to you know adapt quickly to change those are some soft skills that can still be learned but just know that a, a lot of those like skills there are hard core skills that you need as a product marketer and then those soft skills um, LinkedIn actually has a really great course on um, influencing without authority and there's a number of different other um, uh, other learning uh, courses that have that too yeah that and I really also just got it. recommended the art of the woo I haven't read it yet but oh. um, people have a book club and they were saying this is a great way to think about influencing and to start understanding who your audience is and really kind of tailoring that influence based on to what they, how they receive information and what they like. So I think that's a really good call out. And then I can't wait. I'm really so excited about our next episode. I can't wait to dive deep into go to market because for me, the thing that differentiates product marketing from every other marketing function is the go-to-market plan, is understanding how to run it well. And I'll be candid as a hiring manager, as a mentor, I often find people call themselves product marketers, but this is their weakest skill. So if you listen to no other episode, go-to-market, the All About GTM episode, I think is going to be really core. All right. This has been a great episode of Market Ready. Tune in next time. This show was produced by the Market Ready team, sound mixed and edited by Full Spectrum Productions with original music from Damani Rhodes. Thank you again for listening and feel free to connect with us at Market Ready Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn.